have to be totally honest. I have been trying to get back to you for quite some time now, and there is nothing but noise everywhere I go. Okay, so one of the things I am very, very proud about with this podcast is that it is commercial free. It is completely organic. It is a one woman show because you know, all the little mess ups and stuff, it's all me. I do all the editing. And as unbelievable as it is, this podcast is being listened to and regularly downloaded in up to seven countries. This really blows my mind because I was just this this chick who thought, sure, I could do a podcast. Why the heck not? And I just gave it a go. And it has been super, super fun. I've talked to the most incredible people and had the greatest time. And recently, I was approached by one of the local radio stations to partner with them for a promotion, and they made a radio spot featuring my podcast. So here it is. From book truck to bookstore, and now a podcast. Brandy from Daisy Chain Book Co. has always loved books, and she loves to talk about them. Enter the Bookshop Chronicles. Brandy discusses books, her wildly fun reading life, and behind-the-scenes stories about running a bookshop during a pandemic. Become a part of this thriving literary community and meet fellow readers and bibliophiles from around the world along the way. The Bookshop Chronicles podcast. Be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. I mean, seriously, how cool is that? Okay, they just sound so amazing. So anyway, thank you so much to Cruise FM here in Edmonton for putting that on the radio. I am very, very proud of that. What fun! And now, let's get back to the show. Okay, friends, so here's the deal. Today, we are just going to talk books. That is it, 100% books, books, books. If you were hoping for a podcast episode about running a bookshop or starting a book truck or all of those business things, this one, my friends, is not the one. However, that is coming up on future episodes because there is no end to the questions that I get. So I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, and I absolutely will get to that. But today, it is books, it is books, because we love the books, and I shouldn't be singing. However, I am, because I have been reading so much lately, and I've been finding some really great books, and I've also found some stinkers. So let's just get to it, shall we? Okay, the first one I want to tell you about, oh my gosh, you guys, I loved it. Okay, so this is a short story by Taylor Jenkins Reid called Evidence of the Affair. Now, if you know me at all, you know that Taylor Jenkins Reid is one of my all-time favorite go-to authors. She never disappoints. Her stories and her characters are always exactly what I need. They're so compelling and so fun to revisit. The emotions, the characters, the experiences, the relatability of the stories that she writes it's tops for me. So this short story was all of that in a very, very brilliant little nugget. This is a story of Carrie and David. So Carrie discovers that her husband is having an affair with David's wife. And Carrie decides to write a letter to David, letting him know, Psst, by the way, I think there's something going on. And it begins a relationship, a friendship between these two. The entire novel is written in letter format. It is so full of 
richness. The letter format does not at all take away. We do not need pages of descriptions or backstory. It is exactly what we need the story to be. The only problem I have with this story is that when it was over, it was over and I didn't want it to be over. Oh, TGR, you hit me again. Evidence of the Affair. This was absolutely a five-star read for me. Very fast read. I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, on to the next book. This one is called I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. This has also been made into a Netflix film, which I will not be watching. This book had that moody, mysterious element to it. And in the end, I was left wondering what the heck just happened? It's one of those endings. So I won't give much away. I will just give you a little bit of an overview to tell you that a girl is dating a boy named Jake. Now, I don't think we actually know the girl's name, come to think of it. And they're taking a drive to visit his parents. She has been thinking of breaking up with him, but she isn't quite sure exactly when is the best time to let him in on that. But along the way, they have all sorts of discussions and flashbacks. And it's it's kind of creepy in certain ways. There are mysterious little bits of thread that are kind of woven through this story. And you think, oh, this is all going to unravel and become something. <gasps> and maybe that actually did happen. I don't know if I missed something. I really just did not. I, this book did not grab me in the way it has grabbed so many readers. People say this is the epitome of manipulative, creepy, atmospheric, dark and moody, twisty. I kind of figured out the twist already. And I guess it just left me a little bit eh, unsatisfied would be the best way to describe that. It has some really smart elements and there were parts of the book that really kept me and I was intrigued and it was very well done. And then it would lose me. And I don't know, maybe this is just not the right book for me at the right time. And so because my star ratings are based on mood and all of that instead of the actual literary, you know, perfection or scholastic breakdown of a book. No, my star ratings are how it made me feel. So. I'm giving, I'm thinking of ending things by Ian Reed, three stars. Okay, I actually cannot wait to talk with you about Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Woohoo! Hi, I'm Brandy. I like books about books, books about bookstores, books about readers. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. So when I found out that Emily Henry's new rom-com is actually about a literary agent and the whole world of publishing and a little bookstore and a small town and some romance. Oh yes, I was like, yes, bring it on. So Nora, she is definitely the character for me. One of the things that Emily Henry does brilliantly is witty banter. She nails it. I laugh out loud. I wish I could claim some of her lines and actually use them in my own life, but those things never spit out for me at the right time. I'm sure it's not just me. I think about them at like three in the morning, but then at the right time, I never get to use them appropriately. However, her characters always seem to use these lines at the right time. And I love reading that. So this is the story of Nora. 
Nora goes to Sunshine Falls. Now, how dreamy does that sound? Anyway, she goes to Sunshine Falls with her sister Libby. Nora is a literary agent who takes this sister getaway with Libby so that they can have some time together before Libby's baby is born. Now, Libby creates this list of things that they must do while they are in this small town. All sorts of things like date a cowboy, go dancing, go to karaoke, all sorts of things like that. So Nora says, yeah, bring that on. I'm all for it. And wouldn't you know that she keeps running into Charlie. So he is this very, oh, how would I say it? Kind of a brooding, sarcastic, intelligent, obviously charming editor who she knows from the city. Now, these are kind of rivals, Nora and Charlie. However, in this small town, which is his small town, wouldn't you know, many, many wonderful things happen. And I'm not going to lay it out for you, but I want to tell you to read this book. It is definitely a book that gives you all the great feelings. I am not a huge rom-com reader. I love to watch them. I don't love to read them. I think most of them are too long. They are, oh, they're just, yeah, they are not for me. However, this one elevates rom-coms and it's exactly what I needed. So Book Lovers by Emily Henry, go get yourself a copy, read that sucker, and then please let me know what you thought because I would love to hear your opinion on this one. I think it goes without saying that this one was a five-star read for me. Okay, once upon a time, I tried to read Andre Asimov's Call Me By Your Name as an audiobook, and wouldn't you know, I happened to have my window open and come to a stoplight right next to a vehicle whose window was also open. And the scene that was being portrayed in my speakers was, well, shall we say, highly inappropriate for the very young person sitting in the vehicle next to me. I could not get to the buttons fast enough to try and turn that sucker off. I still think of it very fondly because it was such a funny moment. But I decided to go back and reread this book. Now, I did not love this book. I know that many people love Call Me By Your Name. They hold it to their chest and they have such fondness for it. And I'm wondering if maybe that's because Timothy Chalamet is in the film and they just really have fondness for him. But that aside, this book is interesting. It bothered me quite a bit that the romance between Elio and Oliver was pretty imbalanced age-wise. I don't know that this has been mentioned a lot. I really didn't hear much about it. But the fact that Elio is a 17-year-old boy and Oliver is a traveling writer who's coming here to stay at his family's house in Italy so he can get some work done. And the two of them develop this very, very graphic sexual relationship. And... I all of a sudden understand why everybody seems to want to give Timothy Chalamet a peach at red carpet events. Why are you giving him a peach? How inappropriate is that? Do you think he loves it? Oh my gosh. Um, that was also one of the weirdest things to read. I, it, anyway, anyway, this one didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't the love story really because I just didn't feel... I just didn't really feel that much for it. I think the imbalance of their ages and the opportunity and stuff in the moment was just not really sitting well with me. So I just gave this book two and a half stars. 
All right, yeah, you can send me emails. Fine, your opinion is not maybe my opinion, but whatever. This was not the book for me. Okay, so let's talk about a book that is very challenging. And in our book club at the store, we had a full two hours of just talking about this book. Usually we go back and forth. We talk about the main book a little bit, but then we talk about, you know, all sorts of other books and sometimes not even books at all because, you know, book club. However, this one, The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. Well, yeah, we definitely, definitely talked about this book for the entire time. This is a very dystopian, challenging, ethical dilemma type book that is reminiscent of The Handmaid's Tale and all of the, all of the dark books that make moms cringe. Frida was married to Gust. Gust decided their relationship was over and he had found somebody younger and hipper and whatever. <laughs> more wonderful, I guess, and left Frida with their, I guess she was a 20, 20 month old daughter. And Frida was having a very, very difficult time trying to manage on her own. This is a time in the near future where the state is looking out for parents like Frida who are just not meeting a satisfactory standard for parenting. So one night, Frida, who is struggling intensely as a very lonely single mom, trying to balance her job and home and all the things, feeling very lonely, makes a rather poor decision. Well, in this moment, the state decides they are going to remove her from her child's care and they are going to put her in the school for good mothers so they could reform her and teach her how to be a parent worthy of her daughter Harriet. We learn very quickly that this school is actually a prison and these moms are given the most ridiculous tasks, punishments, brainwashing, discipline. It's, it's just so frustrating to watch. It's so, it's so hard as a mom and somebody who used to be a social worker and a foster parent to see all of these different mom dynamics going on and having so many emotions all at the same time. It was very, very challenging. They decide to bring in these robot dolls to give these moms an opportunity to practice their parenting skills. There are so many Black Mirror-esque type of feelings going on here, and there are some wildly inappropriate things that go on in this school. The dads also have a school, by the way, but they do not have nearly as many rules as the moms, and they tend to get their kids back without too much worry. So there is a lot of stuff to happen in this book, and you will probably want to talk about it with somebody. This was Jessamine Chan's first book. Very ambitious, quite bold. I'm very curious to see what else she writes in the future. We did poke a lot of holes in this book in our book club, and yet we also found a lot of ways that this is just a great conversation starter. So it might not be the perfect book, but wow, it will keep you turning pages and it is very, very interesting. So The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. I gave this 4.25 stars. Okay, I also did read a nonfiction book called Quit Like a Woman. The Radical Choice to Not Drink in a Culture Obsessed with Alcohol by Holly Whitaker. 
this one. Friends. Regardless of where you stand on the I love to drink or I don't drink or I'm only a social drinker or I like a mega pint or whatever it is, this book is a must read. The facts are unbelievable and I, uh, wow, it made a huge, huge change in my approach to drinking anything and why I drink it and who motivates me to drink and why there is a very, very peculiar social pressure to have one more and top it up and, oh my gosh, it's five o'clock somewhere. All of it? Really? Um, so yeah, this book was pretty incredible. The idea of our world is obsessed with drinking, that we drink at everything and we think we should. We think that we're supposed to. We think it makes it better. But what alcohol really is and how it affects a woman's body as opposed to men's bodies, this is something we need to be aware of, girls. This is an incredible read, even if you're only somebody who likes facts. If you like data, if you like to make your decisions and have a good conversation based on actual knowledge, I would say the first half of Holly's book is full of stuff that you will want to write down and spit out at the appropriate party. When somebody says, would you like some? And you say, no, thanks. And they look at you crazy like, why not? Why are you not drinking? What's wrong with you? Are you pregnant? Because of course, that is the only reason we wouldn't drink, right? Ugh, I digress. Anyway, I just want to say, I don't agree with everything Holly says in this book, and it gets a little woo-woo towards the end. However, that's fine. I don't care. I can always read things I don't agree with. But this book is strong and powerful, and I highly encourage you to read it, to think about it, to add it to how you think about drinking and who makes the decisions about what we drink and why we drink and how available it is. Yeah. Okay, so... It's odd to me that as a society that is obsessed with health and wellness, we still uphold alcohol as this like wonderful social elixir. And yet it is the opposite of everything else we are trying to do that is good for our bodies. So please read this. Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. I, I cannot stress enough. This book was a 4.5 for me. I think it made me think so much and I can really see so many of the trends in even social manipulation and coercion and all of this stuff that occurs and harms women in ways that we often don't think about. So if you need more reasons why you are not drinking or why you prefer not to drink when people are often around you saying, oh, you just have one more. This will give you a lot of reasons why you can say no comfortably. Go for it. Read this book. Okay, I have one more Taylor Jenkins read book to share with you because I feel I'm very proud of myself, actually. I have now read all of TJR's backlist and her new book, Carrie Soto is Back, is coming out this summer, and I am so excited for this one. So I have now read everything, and here is one of my absolute favorites, a lesser known book with so much heart, so much going on, and characters that you will love. So this is the story of Lauren and Ryan. They are a married couple, they're oh, so cute, and they do all of the cool, you know, newlywed things, and then, eventually 
they realize that their marriage might not be all it's cracked up to be. And frankly, they just, they need to figure out if this is something they want to continue to pursue. They choose to take a year off of their marriage, live separately in hopes of finding a way that they can possibly fall back in love with each other. So one year apart, no contact, live your own life. Hopefully, if they're away from you, you'll feel wistful and romantic and you'll want them back. What happens when you have a journey of self-discovery and you find out that, wow, I... I actually do pretty good without my partner and I don't know what to do now. And you have a lot of memories and you have a lot of wants. Do you start dating? Is he dating? Is she dating? How do you feel about that? There are so many feelings. So this story is told in the present time when they're struggling with this year off and it goes back as they have memories and they are reliving the start of their marriage as well and their relationship and the hurdles they overcome and all of these things. It is so well done. After I Do is such a brilliant idea because so many romantic stories get you to that point, right? Like all the fairy tales. You discover each other, you go through something, you claim each other and then you kiss and it's happily ever after. Well, then what? What happens next? This was such a strong, realistic portrayal of disagreements and misunderstandings and broken hearts and broken dreams and being so in love with somebody and yet not liking them at the same time and then really liking them and realizing, I don't know if I love them. All of these things that are okay to feel, but you just don't know exactly what to do with it. The way Lauren and Ryan deal with this and how the story is told was so great for me. I thought, honestly, I couldn't really find a lot of flaws in this. So the way the story is told, it's told through emails and narratives back and forth, present day. It's, it's so good, you guys. Um, I don't really want to give a lot away. It doesn't end necessarily the way you think it will end. It the whole book is a little unexpected, and I really love that. So thank you, TJR, for doing it again. After I do, you know, this one was a five star for me. Another book that I really enjoyed that I had never heard much about is called Notes on Your Sudden Disappearance by Alison Espach. Espach? Espach. I'm not sure. E-S-P-A-C-H. <laughs> um, this is a story of, well, Sally. Sally has an older sister named Kathy. And Kathy seems to be, you know, how some older sisters, they just glow. They have all the things. She has all the answers. She is setting the tone for everything about life, love, school, the whole thing. And Sally is kind of following along and learning. And Kathy has a boyfriend named Billy. Well, unfortunately, Sally also has a little bit of a crush on Billy, so a little awkward. And then during high school, I think Sally's probably in about the eighth grade, there is a tragedy that occurs. This entire story is written as Sally is speaking to her sister, almost in letter format. And she is really discovering a lot about what it means to grow up in the shadow of her sister and grow up in the wake of this tragedy and how things have changed the dynamic in her family. 
And what does it mean? Does she still have a crush on Billy? What happens there? This story takes place over about, oh, I want to say two decades. And there is a love interest. There is tragedy. There is some wistfulness and some longing, some despair and some raw honesty. It's, it's a really good story. I actually found that the way it was told kept me completely... Oh, did you hear that? That was my phone. Sorry. The way that it was told had me interested the whole time. As Sally grows up and as the relationships in her life change, there are so many dynamics that I really felt were well handled. I didn't necessarily love all the characters and there were some parts of relationship building and moments where I, I thought, really? Okay, whatever. But fine, I, you know, I still enjoyed it. And at the end of it, I could look back over the entire story and see it all with such clarity because of the way the story was told. So I just kind of enjoyed it. It was exactly the right book for the moment. Notes on Your Sudden Disappearance by Alison Espoff. I gave it four stars. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you about two books by the same author. I read the first one and then, well, right away, I had to read another book. This is very similar to the Peter Swanson and yeah, recently the Taylor Jenkins Reid readings. If I find an author I like, I just want to go and discover the history of their writing story and what it's looked like to see how their stories have changed, maybe find a hidden treasure in there that isn't the most popular book, but maybe is the best book on their canon. So yes, this one I'm going to tell you about is called The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. Okay, maybe you've heard about this. The cover is super cool, and this one really did get a lot of attention, so you've probably heard about it. So this one is very moody, very atmospheric, a little bit ghosty. It's told through two different perspectives over two timelines. So in one of them, Viv is in the early 80s, and she decides she wants to move to New York City, um, but on the way, she decides to take a job as a night clerk in this sundown motel. Well, it's a little bit haunted, a little bit dark and weird, and she goes missing. Now, in both the year 2017, her niece Carly has been haunted by the story of her missing aunt her entire life. Her aunt going missing has changed her family's dynamic. Nobody has actually able to get closure on it. They don't know what happened. So Carly, the curious chick that she is, decides she's going to go down to the Sundown Motel and she's going to find out some answers. So she goes down there and she gets a job as a night clerk in the same motel. She gets to stay where her aunt stayed and she gets to sort of figure things out and put some pieces together. Little Nancy Drew detective work here. And so you're hearing her side as she's discovering the past. Then you're also getting Viv's story as she lives the past. And the two timelines sort of come together. It is ghosty. It has some very creepy little elements to it. And it is so well done because none of those things override the story. The storytelling aspect of this book is brilliant. I really, really liked how it wasn't a horror book, but it wasn't just a whodunit book either. It was it was kind of a nice balance of all of that. So if you like any of those things, this chilling book by Simone St. James might just be the one for you. Then I followed that book up with The Broken Girls, also by Simone St. James. 
At this point, I am definitely getting the picture that this author likes to do two different timelines and yet tell the same story. So this one is set in, I think it's Vermont in 1950. And there is a school for all of the illegitimate ne'er-do-well girls that nobody else knows what to do with. They ship them off to this school, which if you could see me, I'm saying this with air quotes. And in this school, they are supposed to be redeemed and made into strong women. And in Idlewild School, a friendship forms between four girls that seems to be going well and providing comfort and security for each of them until one of them mysteriously disappears. Fast forward to 2014 and Fiona is trying to deal with her older sister's death. Okay, I know it maybe feels a little familiar to the Sundown Motel, but this one is very different. So hold on a second. So 20 years ago, her sister's body was found laying in the fields near Idlewild Hall. So she decides that she's going to go and try and solve this, this crime, this murder. Another Nancy Drew strikes again. And what happens is Idlewild is being restored and she decides to write a story about it and do some research. Well, there's a lot more going on with this school and the history and all the things that are revealed. It is also a little creepy, a little moody, maybe not so much as the Sundown Motel, but there is definite ghosty elements here. And if you like the dark academia, reform school, boarding school, bonding girls kind of a storyline, this might just be the one for you. It was a very satisfying read. I really like the pace of it. I like the tone of it. I like that it doesn't necessarily wrap it all up with a bow nicely like a lot of the other story formulas do. This one was just really good. I enjoyed it. And yes, I will definitely be looking for more books by this author. This book, I gave four stars. The next book I read was called A Rip Through Time by Kelly Armstrong. Now this will be the first book in a series. You can totally tell. This is, how would I explain this? This is uh, a time travel historical novel that has a medical scientific bent to it. So if you could blend Outlander and A Girl in His Shadow and Sherlock Holmes, then you have this book. I really, really liked the way that Kelly Armstrong wrote this book. She included just enough history, just enough facts, just enough elements. So there wasn't too much of anything, but wow, she really knew how to wrap this story up. It was so compelling. So the premise of this book is Mallory is a detective in Edinburgh in current day. She goes out for a jog and she gets attacked in an alley. When she wakes up, Oh, whoops, it's 1869. She's still in Edinburgh, but she is now a housemaid. What? Yes, something happened in that alley and time travel occurred and now she is in 1869. So she has to adjust to being a housemaid in an undertaker's house in Victorian Scotland. Very fascinating, super cool. She gets to learn the origins of a lot of the things that as a detective, she knows about DNA and all of these ways to solve crimes, but they have not been fully discovered yet. So she is sort of at the very beginning and yet she has to try and maintain that she is just a housemaid who doesn't actually have all of this knowledge. So it's very cool. I really liked, I really liked it. Um, will I read the second one? <laughs> yes, I will. And I'm sure there will be many in the series, but 
I'm not going to tell you too much about it because there's a lot of really cool elements that keep you guessing and keep you coming back. And I learned a lot of stuff in this book. So props to Kelly Armstrong. Once again, she is sort of the master of the genre jumping. She can write fantasy, YA, kids, mystery, fiction. She can do it all and she seems to do it all well. I do not know how she does it, but my hat is off to her. This one was really, really good. A rip through time, I gave four stars. Okay, and the final book that I'm going to tell you about today is called The End of Men by Christina Sweeney Baird. This one was also very, very interesting. So it is set a little bit into the future where a virus stalks the male population. Only the males are affected, however, women are carriers. So we're, we're immune as women, and there are about 10% of the men that are also immune, but 90% of the world's male population dies. What happens? How does the world recover? What about all of the jobs that are predominantly male, which now have to be taken over by women? What happens to the babies born and the new generation and all the things? You think of all the parts of our world, everything from politics to medicine to education to just how our cities work and function and the building of everything. Wow. Okay, so there were so many really good things handled in this book, and I loved how it was actually dealt with through multiple perspectives from different countries. So you got the idea that what the challenges are in India are not the same as they are in Canada. And you get the stories from men who are left behind, families who have lost husbands, brothers, all of them gone. And now these women are trying to figure out what to do with their lives. Grief overtakes them, but they still have to press on and function. It is, quite the read. I uh, I did not know what to expect and maybe I should have. I mean, let's let's be honest. The title is called The End of Men. So, this isn't a male slamming book. This isn't yay, look at us women, we can kick some ass and we can take over the world and be just fine. It really, I think honestly reflects some of the issues, the concerns, the victories, the challenges in a really smart way. I think it might have been a little long in parts, but in the end, I was pretty satisfied. And it made me think a lot about how we prioritize certain jobs and certain things in our world. And how in this book, they look back at, let's say, 2021 as, wow, back then when everything was fine, <laughs> when we're in the middle of a pandemic. So this is literally only four years ahead, folks. This book is set in 2025. So anyway, it's very, very interesting. And if you like that kind of book, uh, has some gender bending ideas of priorities and culture, this might be the book for you. So I gave this book, hold on, let me see what I got, 3.5 stars, The End of Men by Christine, <laughs> what's her name? Christina Sweeney Baird. Okay, friends. Wow, that's that's a number of books. And I didn't even tell you about all the books I read. I kept some back, so I would have some to tell you about next time. There is a lot of stuff going on. As you heard probably in our last episode, we are building a second Daisy Chain Book Company location. I still can hardly believe it, and it will be opening this summer in Beaumont, which is a 
fabulous smaller city just outside of Edmonton, which I mean, insert shock here. They don't have a bookstore, y'all. They don't have one. Well, I'm not having that. So we are putting a bookstore in this incredible little city and we are establishing ourselves there so that we can create a brand new reading community. It is a ton of work, I'm not gonna lie. It is it is a little bit bananas around here. We are full of lists. We are full of contractor issues and receipts and lists and oh did I say receipts? Oh my gosh, this is not this is not cheap. However, the readers in Beaumont deserve it and we are very excited to be there. So oh yeah, this is a big deal. Hard to believe we started with a book truck. About 2,000 books, me in this little tiny space for hours and hours at a time. And then we expanded to this amazing store in High Street, which has just boomed in such a way that we can still hardly believe it. Keeps us in awe on a regular basis. And now we've answered the call to put a store in Beaumont because we have taken the book truck there for two summers and created a really good community out there. We've done a couple of events out there. We do regular deliveries out there from our online store. And somebody said to me once, can you please just park your book truck here so we can see you all the time? And I was like, hmm, what an interesting idea. And so we found this amazing location and it is happening, friends. We've already hired our book selling team, which they are already astounding and I can't wait to get to know them more. And yeah, it's gonna be fun but it is also a ton of work. So I will be chipping away at these podcasts because I'm not letting you go, don't worry. And we will have all sorts of new people to talk to who frankly have not been on this podcast before and who have all sorts of Beaumont bookish things to say. So until then, in your reading life and in your bookish community, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Until next time, bye!